0: Welcome to another Lost Ladies of Lit mini-episode. I'm Kim Askew, here with my co-host, Amy Helms. Hey, everyone. Last week, we discussed the author Ursula Parrott, whose 1929 best-selling debut novel helped make the word ex-wife a part of our vernacular.
1: Yes, her novel tackled the topic of divorce with frankness and humor. Many rye novels about divorce have followed Parrott's ex-wife, including
0: one which celebrates
1: its 40th anniversary later this month, Nora Ephron's
0: Heartburn. And yeah, Nora Ephron is certainly no lost lady. She's known not just for her books, but for films like When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail. I mean, iconic movies.
1: Yeah, obviously I've seen those movies. But prior to this episode, I had never actually read Heartburn or seen the movie based on the book.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't believe that. It's such a good book (laughs) and such a fun movie to watch when you've read the book. I mean, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about it all. But yeah, I'm glad that you've now rectified that horrible omission in your um, reading. You know, I saw a newspaper article
1: saying it was the 40th anniversary. And I was like, oh, God, I never read that. And when I started reading it, I was like, what on earth? This is so good. I love it. What the hell? But I think I know... Maybe why I hadn't read it. And that is, you know, it came out in 1983. So I was in elementary school. I'm part of the Gen X generation. <laughs> the last thing that would appeal to me in previous decades would be reading some quote unquote old lady book. And that's what it always sounded like to me was just like this old <laughs> lady book, like a, a book for women named Darlene, who goes to Tupperware parties, drinks Chablis, and sells Mary Kay. I was wrong. I was wrong. And honestly, too, (laughs) they say don't judge a book by its cover, but if you look up the covers of Heartburn over the years, it's never... The covers are always a little cheesy.
0: Yeah, maybe we should post some to go along with this episode so that we can we can show maybe where Amy got this idea about Darlene and her Tupperware parties. (laughs) You know what this makes me think of? One of the people on my team at work, actually, he's in his 20s. He and his friend have a podcast about costumes, and they watched The Matrix for the first time, and they thought it was going to be like Men in Black. They had no idea like the depth of the story. They saw some stills and they thought, oh, that's just a dumb action movie. And then they watched it and their minds were absolutely blown. So anyway, how did I bring um, the Matrix into this? I don't know. Anyway.
1: <laughs> and I, because I just dismissed it, I didn't know anything about it. I kind of knew that it had been a movie. I thought it was just a book for menopausal women or something. <laughs> um But then when I'm reading this article about the 40th anniversary of the book, it mentions that it was based on Efron's own divorce from Watergate journalist Carl Bernstein, and that like the character in the book... Efron was seven months pregnant with their second child when this divorce took place. So that caught my attention. Yeah, you're like, this is not what I thought. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> well, this is interesting. And I never realized that this book featured recipes throughout it.
0: I no <laughs> Which idea? You, like what? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know yeah, it was about yeah, food. Yeah.
1: Um, so you know, basically. I'm now of the age of the chablis, swilling Tupperware lady. (laughs) So I guess finally the time had come for me to read it. And I loved it. It's all coming together, right? Sometimes a book comes to you at the time you're supposed to have it come to you. But I mean, I would have loved this book in my 20s. I just never gave it a shot. I mean, we've
0: compared things to like Lena Dunham's Girls and Sex in the City and stuff like that. I feel like this is like that too. It is. It's a New York City,
1: hilarious, super witty. Yep. It's been a while since I've read a book where almost every page has (laughs) multiple laugh out loud moments. You know, this book has it. And I thought maybe the humor would be corny, but
0: she's just savage. Oh, yeah. There's a line from the book that kind of sums it all up. Rachel, the main character's therapist, asks Rachel why she turns everything into a funny story. And she answers... Because if I tell the story, I can make you laugh, and I would rather have you laugh at me than feel sorry for me. Because if I tell the story, it doesn't hurt as much. Because if I can tell the story, I can get on with it.
1: Yeah, Which and, is and so great. it's so great and so true that you know this book was Efron's way to get her power back. It's what launched her into the successful career. Yeah. Success is
0: the best revenge. Isn't that what they say? Absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of our readers are familiar with the book. But would you want to read any other passages from the book, Amy? Yeah, like sure. I, w- I was kind of flipping through trying to find my favorite funny passage. But
1: then I remembered this one section and it reminded me a lot of Ursula Parrott, who was our lost lady from last week. So like Parrott, Efron takes an opportunity in this section of the book to make an observation about the situation for married women and divorced women in her time period, which is the 1970s. So she writes, there have always been many things you can do short of actually ending a bad marriage. Buying a house, having an affair, and having a baby are the most common, I suppose. But in the early 1970s, there were at least two more. You could go into consciousness raising and spend an evening a week talking over cheese to seven other women whose marriages were equally unhappy. And you could sit down with your husband and thrash everything out in a wildly irrelevant fashion by drawing up a list of household duties and dividing them up all over again. This happened in thousands of households with identical results. Thousands of husbands agreed to clear the table. They cleared the table. They cleared the table and then looked around as if they deserved a medal. They cleared the table and then hoped they would never again be asked to do another thing. They cleared the table and hoped the whole thing would go away. And it did. The women's movement went away. And so in many cases did their wives. Their wives went out into the world free at last, single again, and discovered the horrible truth that they were sellers in a buyer's market and that the major concrete achievement of the women's movement in the
0: 1970s was the Dutch treat. And that is why this book is like Ursula Perra's ex-wife for the 1970s. (laughs) Right there, yeah, like baby I mean, J-
1: Ursula Parrott Jr. You know, yeah, like to, it, the next yeah. decade, or yeah, know. what
0: is really happening? How is the the so called feminist movement really impacting real women in their lives? and I'm giving you a hard time about not having read this novel, but obviously I'm playing it up for fun. It happens (laughs) to both of us all the time. Anyway, it is kind of funny how she also incorporates recipes throughout the novel. It's almost like Julie and Julia. Yeah. 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 Um, And we've done a a few other books with recipes on the show. I'm thinking Peg Bracken and MFK Fisher. And I feel like Peg Bracken is a good one to mention in relation to what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, given the time frame that this book was written, I was kind of worried that these recipes would be very pig Bracken-like, which means open up a can of cream of mushroom soup and dump it in with a packet of
0: onion soup mix. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of sodium. Yeah, you're like... What is this going to be? And we were actually hoping to pull off a Heartburn-themed potluck dinner party in time for this episode, which I know you all would have loved, um, but we didn't end up having enough time, sadly. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I really wanted it to run after Ursula Parrott, but um, we, we couldn't get our acting gear for having a full-on dinner party. So I wound up letting my family once again be taste testers for some of the recipes in this book. They are my guinea pigs. So I'll go ahead and play a few snippets from our dinner table when I served them a meal compiled of recipes from this book. I can't Um, wait to hear this. Okay, this is from the book Heartburn by Nora Ephron, and she sprinkled recipes throughout the book. So this is Lillian Hellman's recipe for pot roast. Lillian Hellman was a famous playwright. The salad has a salad dressing that she's sure... That her husband will regret leaving her (laughs) because he doesn't have the recipe for the salad dressing, Uh, and the potatoes are called potatoes Anna. They're like crispy.
0: I gotta say the heartburn is like makes me a little nervous. If that's (laughs) because that (laughs) worries that the direction this thing is headed. Pot
1: roast is really good.
0: Mmm. Mmm. It's super tender. I love it.
1: Mmm. That's really good. You're not a huge meat eater either. No, it's really good. I love it. Jack gives the pot roast a thumbs up. He, when he saw it on the plate, he said, ooh, I like the look of that.
0: Definitely very tasty. These potatoes look like crispy and good too. Let me see. Mm-hmm.
1: Those are good too. It's like crispy on the edges and like not in the inside.
0: Soaked in butter and crispy, that doesn't get any better. That's legit. Yeah.
1: You like the potatoes, Jack? Yeah.
0: And this is the salad dressing that's going to keep us married?
1: Yeah. not my favorite but I don't really like salad in general. Jack doesn't like salad so I gave you a ton of croutons. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like dressing. Do that again. Yeah Yeah.
1: that's the same dressing I made a few weeks ago and you were like this dressing is good for being surprisingly simple or whatever. Is that how I sound? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. But better than the last (laughs) Peg Bracken.
0: Yes. One this is, I did. This one's a considered a victory. Because that
1: one I made pot roast, too.
0: Right. I remember? Yeah. It was like
1: Hell's a Poppin' Pot Roast or something. Or no, yeah. that was Hell's a Poppin' Potatoes. I think
0: that that one we were struggling to be polite with.
1: Yeah.
0: But this one <laughs> this is one's like legit. legit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. There was one recipe in the book that was lima bean and pear casserole. Well, that doesn't sound very good. I decided not to make you guys
0: eat that. I mean, who even... That was never very good, even though <laughs> it was originally made. I SV know. Book. That's uh, horrific. It
1: doesn't sound even remotely appealing. No, not at all. Okay, and there's something you guys need to know about this pie from the book. Is that the main character makes this pie, and she puts whipped cream all over the top, and she puts the pie in the husband's face. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you're just I, like,
0: huh? I hope it tastes good He's very I'm lucky I didn't do that. Oh, uh, anything for you know the podcast.
1: But <laughs> well, then we wouldn't have had the pie to eat, so that would have been a problem. I didn't want
0: to mm. make two. Good. Oh, oh my gosh, gosh, that's so good. Wait, what? Oh yeah, that's really good pie. Yeah, it's really creamy.
1: Mmm, it's good. hmm. With the graham cracker, so good.
0: Nice and cold.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah almost too sweet for me i could do a little less sweet i could do more i could just have less bites of it i guess
0: right (laughs) i'm a fan i like it yeah i love
1: it me too okay so
0: there you have it very cute i love it oh my god your family they're just always so sweet It's a good thing your marriage isn't relying on dressing, though. I didn't think the enthusiasm was enough. I will say the dressing is pretty basic. And she doesn't give the
1: dressing recipe until the very end of the book. It's just Dijon mustard, red wine vinegar, and olive oil. And I thought her proportions was way too mustardy. So Mm -hmm. in the future, I will make it again. But I would just do much less of the gray poupon. And I also want to say that that dressing... And the fact that she's like, oh, for sure, my husband won't leave me because he doesn't know the salad dressing recipe. It reminds me of a real life gossip story about Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, and the salad that was for who was the salad for Harry Styles or something. She was taking him a salad. I don't know. I mean, I don't know any of these people. There's some, if you Google it, you'll find yeah, there's a whole about of salad the salad incident. dressing and But yeah. so anyway, the salad dressing in this book made me think of that story. It involves someone in like trying to stand behind a car so it couldn't back out <laughs> of a driveway. I mean, it's. I mean, the salad thing really it is heartburn. So maybe there's something to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but also the lima bean and pear casserole, yuck. Oh, yeah. That I know. Awful. That's one of the recipes that I did not make. I hate lima beans, first of all, but
1: yeah. I don't think I would eat that. If we would have had the potluck dinner with friends, I would have had somebody bring it just for fun because it's so crazy. Listeners, somebody out there needs to have a heartburn potluck. It's such a fun theme. D- dinner party, right? do it. All right. We we'll still do it. Still do well, it. We'll I mean, that's get... the
0: point. We've already done that. So I don't know. No, no, no. I Everything we'll doesn't have be to be for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So let's talk about the movie adaptation. It starred Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. So what did you think about the movie, Amy? I didn't fully watch it. Um, That says something right there.
1: (laughs) YouTube has, like, the famous clips. I watched, like, maybe six of the famous scenes from the movie, like, snippets. Here's the thing. I love... Meryl Streep as an entity. She, yeah. to me, was not my ideal Rachel. And I just okay. find when she's in a movie, she is so distracting to me. Like her cheekbones uh-huh. are mesmerizing. Yeah. So like I spend more time looking at her
0: cheekbones. It's an than aesthetic movie. Insane. I mean, I didn't feel like the characters from the book. No, Jack didn't. Nicholson didn't either. I mean.
1: No, it didn't feel like the right casting. And
0: we're not of the right, we're not the right audience for Jack Nicholson because I realized women probably thought he was like the best thing ever, but we don't.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just it didn't yeah. quite translate. And, yeah, and it didn't yeah. make me watching those snippets. I was like, I think I've seen enough. I don't. Yeah. Think.
0: Yeah. Um, But I will say, that I mean, as I mean, just to say Jack Nicholson, not as a sex symbol. Anyway, go ahead for us. Anyway,
1: I thought he was kind of sexy in his day. Yeah, Maybe. I
0: guess he was in his day. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
1: like we're getting off on a tangent. Totally. Okay, go ahead. This movie, though, received some pretty sexist backlash when it came out. Um, Nora Ephron took some heat for the fact that this got turned into a movie. Um, A guy, Tristan Vox, wrote about it in Vanity Fair. He basically said that whatever Bernstein's affair, any harm that caused the family, Ephron's tell-all about it was far more damaging. Ugh. You know, just like she had a responsibility toward her children to sort of take the high road and to, you know, not air
0: all this to the public. Yeah, I'm sorry, but as if he had no part in creating the circus, I mean, his affair sparked the book. Yeah, so how could you possibly say that? Absolutely.
1: It was part of their actual divorce agreement. There was a stipulation that Bernstein would be allowed to meet with Mike Nichols. Is that the director? Mm -hmm. Um, And view an early cut of the film. And that a share of the profits from the film should be placed in a trust for their children. Which
0: I guess that's fine. But to be like, I need to be able to see, you know... I don't know. That's her art. She made it after he split up with her. I mean, how does he get to say how she spends the money she makes from it?
1: Yeah. After their divorce, he said of the movie that it continues the tasteless exploitation and public circus Nora has made out of our lives. Nora has
0: made. Oh, my God. That Nora is so has typical. made.
1: I know. I know. The- how is she the bad
0: guy? Because yeah. he
1: cheated on her and all she did was chronicle it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I she know.
0: brought it out in her art. She used it in her art. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. Anyway,
1: listeners, if you're like me and you never gave Heartburn a read, go read it. Penguin Random House is putting out a new um edition of it with a foreword or introduction by Stanley Tucci, which is yeah, interesting. Nice. I guess the food connection there. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. that's all for today's episode. If you like what we're doing, Head over to wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review of
0: this podcast. It really, really helps. Yeah, we got one the other day and we were texting each other with wild excitement. Oh my gosh. You guys,
1: you don't know how we react to your amazing reviews. So please do that and head over to our Facebook forum where we're having all kinds of fun conversations with listeners and former guests.
0: And uh, we'll see you next week for another Lost Lady. Our theme song is performed by Jenny Malone and our logo is designed by Harriet Grant. Lost Ladies of Lit is produced by Kim Askew and Amy Helms.